Hello and welcome to another edition of Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols. I'm sure that a lot of us have heard the term macular degeneration, but not really have much idea about what it means or any details as to the seriousness of the condition. To talk with me today about the condition, the treatments available, and perhaps what we can do to prevent it, and the organisation that has been formed to help people with the condition, is Miss Julie Herity. Julie is the Chief Executive Officer of the Macular Degeneration Foundation. Julie, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Iris, for inviting me. How long has the foundation been going? The foundation is relatively young for a, a charity. Um, it's been operating since 2001 and it um, has grown dramatically in that time. What was the purpose of setting it up? Well, the purpose for setting it up was that there was no voice for those for the MD community. There was no organisation where family, friends and carers of people with MD and the patients could turn to to get help and support, to know what is the pathway on the low vision journey. And there was no organisation really out there promoting awareness of this disease so that we could save sight and reduce the risk of people going blind. How long have you been involved? Well, I came to the foundation four years ago now and absolutely love it. <laughs> it uh, and I have to say, Iris, that when I um, looked at the job application, I had no idea what macular degeneration was. So therein was the first challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Did it take you very long to find out? Well, I did what most people do and look up a website. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for the computers. <laughs> but, um, even then, I really wasn't quite sure what this was about. And it, it is quite um, an unusual word, macular degeneration. Mm. I, I have to tell you, Iris, when I first took up the job, my mother told everybody that I was the chief executive officer of the Immaculate Degeneration <laughs> Foundation. So I went in with a great blessing from my mother. <laughs> You couldn't have a better start. True. <laughs> and you've been CEO for how long? For about four and a half years mm. now. How does the general public get involved and do they need to have the condition or someone in their family have it or can they just be interested in the background and what's happening? Well, our clients are really the entire Australian population and then we break it down into um, various sectors. The first is anyone in Australia can contact the foundation and get information. Everything we do is free. So they can get free information about macular degeneration. And part of that is, is really promoting key messages, which we'll talk about later. Mm. But the next group is are those with macular degeneration. And they are really um, a very important group that we cater to their needs for information, help and support. And then there's the family and friends and carers. And then there are professionals. We've got eye care professionals, optometrists, ophthalmologists, people involved in the health industry. They also contact the foundation. So it's a really big family, a very big group that we are catering to, but with very specific goals in each particular group. So what sort of staff would you have working there? Well, when I came, I had about... 2.53 staff, including myself, and now we have 11 full-time equivalents across Australia. Mm. So we've grown very quickly. You certainly have. Let's talk about the condition itself. What exactly is it? 
Well, macular degeneration is the leading cause of blindness and severe vision loss in this country. And what macular degeneration does is it takes away your central vision. And your central vision is responsible for what you do just about every day in your quality of life and independence. That is, your ability to read, to drive, to see faces clearly and colours clearly, to do fine, detailed work. Macular degeneration doesn't affect your peripheral vision, only your central vision. Now, the best way to describe this is to really think about the the eye very much like the old-style camera where light is focused on the front of the eye, onto the lens, and then it goes to the back of the eye, to the retina, which is a very uh, light-sensitive tissue. And let's imagine that the retina is like the film in a camera. And right smack in the middle of that retina is the macula. And what happens in macular degeneration is there is damage in that macular area. But if we can just sort of think of that camera analogy, I think it's really clear how that light's coming in. It's focusing on that very important uh, part of the eye at the back called the retina and right smack in the middle is the, uh, the macula. So it's, it's a, obviously the, one of the most important parts of the eye. Absolutely. Um, mm. it, if you're, um, for your listeners, they're probably reading a book at the moment and listening to you or they're looking out the window or they're uh, perhaps about to have their cup of tea. I'd like them to think about everything they're doing right now. They're using their macula. Okay. We might go into a bit more detail of that as, as the program goes on as well. I understand it usually occurs as people get older. Does it ever occur in children? It does occur in younger people, um, but it's quite rare. It's not a strong area in the uh, younger people. And it's often called other names such as Stargardt's disease. Um, There's also often a hereditary component there. But in the main, it is a disease of the ageing. And does it happen as the result of having had an illness or is it just ageing? Well, the ageing is a risk factor. We really don't know why this happens. If we could find that out, we'd be really on our road to finding a cure. We know how it happens and we know what the risk factors are, which we'll go into in a moment, Mm. but we're we're really not sure exactly why this phenomenal amount of macular degeneration is occurring. Perhaps it was our diet, perhaps it's... It's any number of things, and Mm. that's what researchers are trying to find out now. But we do know, we do know the key risk factors. Is smoking one of those risk factors? Absolutely. Age is your first risk factor, and one in seven over 50 are affected in some way. Now, that means that you might have very, very minor uh, touches of what we call drusen in the eye and that nothing may ever happen right up to the point where people are legally blind. So one in seven over 50, but it goes, it climbs dramatically um, as you get older and that's where we hit the, and as we know, people are living longer. So we hit the 80s and we're looking at, you know, one in three. But that's that age is that critical factor. Now, RSU, raise the smoking issue. Smoking is our only modifiable risk factor. In other words, you can't do much about your age, and but you can do something about smoking. And there is definitely um, 
a proven uh, connection between smoking. Smokers are three times at risk of developing macular degeneration and smokers may also develop macular 10 years earlier than non-smokers. And it's estimated that smoking may be responsible for about 20% of all new cases of those over 50. And 20 years after quitting, a person's risk of developing MD is the same as someone who's never smoked. So it takes 20 years to get back to the point where you are um, at the same risk as everyone else. Now, sometimes, Iris, I go out for lunch and I see I see enormous amount of young girls smoking, mm. and I want to go up to them, and I want to go up to the boys too. But it seems to be an enormous amount of young girls smoking, and say, do you realise that smoking not only can give you cancer, but can send you blind? And I think this is where it's really important for people to be really talking to young people, especially grand parents because mm. the third risk factor is family history and if you have macular degeneration in your family then you have a 50% chance of developing it so I would really appeal to those especially our older group who've got macula to tell their grandchildren about the fact that they've got the disease and they're at risk and that smoking is really going to be a critical factor. If you've got the hereditary component and you smoke, recent studies show that your risk climbs to 95%. That's quite dramatic. So to recap, we've got age as a risk factor, smoking and family history. And just recently, in the last couple of years, they have discovered what they think is the major gene, complementary factor H. And this is the major gene for macular. So they've now discovered that gene and what they're looking for is what triggers macular degeneration. They're not sure and this is why um, they're looking at why one person with the gene may get macular and another person who has got the gene doesn't get it. Is mm. it smoking that triggered it? Is it diet? Is it our environment? Is it... We don't know and that's what we're looking for. You're listening to Wellbeing and I'm talking with Julie Herity. Apart from giving up smoking, which will lessen the chances, I guess, is there anything that we can do to prevent it? What we can do is things to reduce our risk. And um, rather than prevent, I, I would say reduce your risk. And I think, would you like me to go through those? Yes, at least give us a few. Yes. Well, I think probably the most important thing is to have your eyes tested and make sure the macula is checked. Because... If you do have signs of MD or even if you don't, you're mm. under someone's care and you're going to be far more aware of the fact that you're looking for symptoms if there's any deterioration. Mm. So we really want people to get their eyes tested and have the macula checked so we, we just know where you're at. <laughs> so if they just go and see an optometrist and they usually do one for glaucoma at the end of the test, do we ask them just to check the macula as well? I always advise people to do that because the foundation has a strong view that we need to take our own health into our own hands. So let's try and incorporate eye health into our overall health management. And like anything, when you go to the, the doctor, you say, hey, doc, oh, just check my blood pressure or, you know, just yeah. have my pap smear. Mm. And I think it's just a really good message to say to the optom who 
probably in most cases has checked it, but also it's almost like a prompt for the patient to really know, is my macula okay? It's a bit like having a mammogram. You go and have it done, you hope it will be okay. And in a lot of cases, of course, it is. But you've been and had it checked out. You've got that reassurance, if you like. Absolutely. Mm. And, I mean, for example, my partner, um, his, um, his uncle has uh, macular degeneration and just discovered that another uncle has it. Mm. And uh, so when he went to the optom, <laughs> he had no choice. <laughs> but it was very interesting. He went through the process and he asked, you know, could I have my macula? And the optometrist uh, put up a beautiful picture of his retina and showed how it was lovely and clean. And I was very pleased about that. But at least you know, well, that's great. But if he'd said, look, there are some little spots here, what we call drusen, you know, you just need to keep an eye on that. And, uh, you know, we need to make sure even more so that your diet and lifestyle is on the right track. And we'll mm. talk about that in a moment. What are usually the first symptoms that we're aware of? Right. Well, firstly, you can have, as I've said, macular degeneration without knowing it. So you've got some symptoms that can only be picked up by the optom. But the key symptoms are difficulty with reading or any other activity that requires fine vision or distortion where lines suddenly appear wavy or bent, like the Venetian blinds, just not quite right. Or distinguishing faces becomes a problem or there are dark patches or empty spaces in front of your vision. Some people complain about, I really need suddenly really strong light or I'm sensitive to the glare or one of the major ones is the decreased night vision and poor colour sensitivity. So all of these types of symptoms um, really are important to get action upon straight away. What's actually happening to the eye to show this? Well, if we could just step back a bit and just maybe just talk about the two types of... Would that be okay, Yeah, that's, that's fine. Right, because I think that explains the, the symptoms a little more. There are two types of macular degeneration. One is the dry form, which is very slow, gradual loss. So you might just complain a little bit about, no, my vision's not quite there, a little bit of problem with empty spaces in front of me. The other is the wet form. Now this is the very severe and sudden and traumatic form. Now those symptoms that I've just described can happen overnight. And we've had, I remember a gentleman ringing, he said, I was out on the golf course this morning, he said, um, I heard about this macular, is this a symptom? He said, the, the flagpole's bent. And I said, it definitely is a symptom. He said, I couldn't get the ball in. And so, you know, this can happen overnight. Now, what's happening is at the back of the eye, there are these blood vessels. And all of a sudden, these blood vessels want to grow. And they want to grow very quickly. And they burst onto that retina. And let's go back to our film in the camera again. If you leave a smudge on the film in the camera, touch it we've got a little bit of a problem. So what's happened in a very short period of time is there's been a bleed at the back of the eye. In the dry form, over time, what happens is a deterioration in the area and it causes the slow blotchiness. The symptom you need to really be aware of because up until a couple of years ago, we did not have really very effective treatment. For dry MD, we have no treatment. 
and at the moment there is no cure for either. But in the last couple of years, we've been very, very fortunate to have a change in the landscape of ophthalmology. Can I talk about that for a little moment? Sure. All of this is information for my listener. Wonderful, because this is really, really important. This is where we save sight. Now, what's happened is that when people um, have bowel cancer, they have a sudden growth of what we call a VEGF, a growth factor, and they use what's called an anti-VEGF, that is an injection of an anti-VEGF to stop that growth in the blood vessel. Some very bright researcher thought, hang on, isn't that what happens in the eye? And they used this particular treatment in the eye and lo and behold, we had some amazing results. Now, after mm. a couple of years of trialling the treatment and getting it through the PGA, which ticks off for efficacy, and then into the PBS where it's on the medical benefits, it has now become available. Now, it is only used by an ophthalmologist and is the treatment for wet MD and it's not always the treatment but now it is a major treatment. It doesn't work in all cases but it has worked in 6 out of 10 and it has not only the now the ability we have to stop this bleed in its tracks but in some cases reverse up to three lines on an eye chart. Now that is a big change. Mm. That is quite uh, that is quite dramatic. Now, three lines on an eye chart for difference between driving and not driving and reading and not reading. So we're talking about quality of life. But what this depends on is early detection. And that is why I want to reinforce that if anyone suddenly gets these wavy lines, patches, empty spaces you need to get to an ophthalmologist very quickly because there is a window of opportunity and this window of opportunity is only a short period of a couple of months. So please don't hesitate and if you've ever had, we'll talk about ringing the foundation, but if anyone is ever concerned and can't get to an ophthalmologist, we can always uh, support them in getting there. But I can't stress this enough that early detection is now critical in saving sight. Julie, does it cause complete blindness? It, you never go black blind with um, macular degeneration. It is the central vision. The peripheral vision is maintained. But obviously, for, for some people, they do become legally blind. I've talked about reducing your risk and, mm. and awareness and knowing the symptoms and getting help, and now we're moving into perhaps for those with MD, you know, what help is available, what are we trying to achieve in rehabilitation, and where are we going? Probably just a couple of other things, Iris, if I mm-hmm. can mention. Please. Um, just in terms before perhaps we move into that um, rehabilitation area and, and, and working with low vision. Um, if I could just say that there are some other things we should be doing, all of us, to reduce our risk. Now, we've talked about smoking and ice being tested, but I'm afraid the message is the same as just about every other health message. Keep a healthy lifestyle. 
control your weight and exercise regularly. Now for elderly people, it's not a sprint round the block. It's maybe you might like to go to your, you know, lifestyle group at your senior centre and be doing a little Tai Chi or it doesn't matter. Just keep that moving, keep your weight down and a healthy lifestyle. Now eat a healthy, well-balanced diet. Now what we know from research is that fish is our number one food for macular degeneration. You should be eating fish two to three times a week. The salmon, the tuna, they're the good ones, the sardines. Also, dark green leafy vegetables. Now, it's not carrots, it's spinach. Spinach is probably our number one food in the dark green leafy vegetables, which contains lutein. And lutein is the protective factor at the back of the eye, including xenoxanthon. So lutein is our protective factor. And it's found in dark green leafy vegetables. And also the other one we're looking for, and just remember, your listeners should be thinking the green and gold. The other one is the brightly coloured um, fruit and vegetables. So we've got corn, kiwi fruit, the green kiwi fruit, that type of vegetable and fruit and all this information is available in our free kit for listeners. But I just wanted to say that they are important things and a handful of nuts a week, your almonds and your walnuts, not your salty roasted peanuts, I want the nice dry ones. But for those that, for those that can't take um, or find fish and all of these things, um, the dark green leafy vegetables and unable to take them, um, you could obviously look for a, a lutein supplement. But one thing I should be um, reminding listeners, if you do change your diet, especially for elderly listeners, please consult your doctor because we know that spinach actually interacts with blood pressure medications, something I only learned when I came here. So I always say, if you're going to suddenly be eating uh, you know, becoming Popeye um, <laughs> with a spinach intake, please see your doctor and just check out you're not uh, counteracting any other medications. Lee, you can get supplements that will be mm. able to support in the fish or the, the lutein. Um, so, so I think just um, those areas and always, obviously, uh, protect your eyes from sunlight exposure and let's tell our children to do that because it's when you're young that that's important. And... Um, a zinc and antioxidant supplement is very good for those with macular degeneration. Studies have shown that it slows down the progression of macular degeneration. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols and today I'm talking with Julie Herity, the CEO of the Macular Degeneration Foundation. Julie, if we've got someone who realises or thinks that their sight is not as good as it might be, do they go to an optometrist or do they get a doctor's referral and go through to an ophthalmologist? My feeling is that if they had overnight a sudden bleed, I would call it a bleed at the Mm. back of the eye and they've got those symptoms, it's really urgent to get to the local doctor and get an urgent referral straight into an ophthalmologist. They can go to their optometrist who can do exactly the same thing, get them into an ophthalmologist. So I, I guess it's, if you've got a local optometrist that you've got a very good relationship with and who knows your history and you're working with, it, it's just as convenient to get to the optometrist. They can get you into an ophthalmologist or your local doctor. But you should really 
always um, have had your eyes tested at some stage and be under the care of an optom because that's part of overall eye health management. If we just look at that area of vision impairment with macular degeneration being the leading cause of vision loss but if we look at the whole area you know it's, it's having an enormous socio-economic impact. It, it, risk of falls are increased two times, depression increases three times, hip fractures four to eight times, admission to nursing homes three years early, social dependence increases two times. So, you know, it's really important that we're doing everything possible in the awareness and risk reduction. But if people do have low vision, I think we've also got to, and this is what the foundation does, is to support them in maintaining quality of life and independence. That's what people want in dignity in life if you have vision loss, is being able to do the things that you want to do. That hope, Many people have to give up driving. Many people, you know, at late stage um, find they can't read. So what we try to do is to make sure that we've got great technology for people to have for reading, that they can get access to the support services, that we do have information for family, friend and carers on how do we make this journey on low vision? How do we make it as comfortable as possible so that people have quality of life and independence? Does your foundation have branches in other states? We have uh, people working in other states but not branches in other states. We have a 1-800 number that people can call but we do go on education sessions. We actually go to the people, um, face-to-face public education sessions and we run those all across Australia all year and we find that they're very, very well received because people can go and actually have contact with people and talk about macular degeneration, look at the low vision aids, ask questions and get the information they need. I guess the other benefit with that is that they're not the only one. That's absolutely right. We find people suddenly meet someone else in the audience and people come along who don't have macular degeneration but want to learn more about it. Um, And we have family, friend, carers and professionals often come. And it really is a nice group experience because people can learn about it, talk to other people. And I think sometimes at the end of the session we notice a person just wants to ask a question that's been worrying them. For example, when you lose um, sight in both eyes, The brain does strange things. It tries desperately to recreate the image and sometimes it creates the wrong image and it's called phantom images. It doesn't happen to everybody but just some people and you can imagine being an elderly person and you've had vision loss and all of a sudden you're seeing things. We've had people come up and ask you know about it privately and we've said this is something that can happen. It's quite normal with vision loss and you're not going mad and it's okay and the look of relief on their face obviously if this was to continue and it was something more serious you'd see your doctor but in general what they're describing is what's called Charles Bonnet syndrome or phantom images but we've had people come up and you could see the fear on their faces that they've been living with this and not feeling comfortable to tell their family that we find it's a real comfort to people Mm. to be able to have that access um, and their family. Julie, you mentioned that there's a 1800 number. Can you give that to us now, please? 1800-111-709. And we have a website, which is www.mdfoundation, all one word, lowercase, .com. 
www.kcb.org.au. Julie, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I've so enjoyed it, Iris, and, and it's a wonderful community service you're doing because uh, this message um, getting out to the Australian community is one of our goals uh, as a charity and as a foundation. So um, thank you for supporting us. We really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. My guest today has been Julie Herity, CEO of the Macular Degeneration Foundation. Thank you for listening, and as usual from all of us here, we wish you well.